What's up, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Jungle Television. Jungle Television is creating gourmet art and streetwear, drawn and screen printed by hand here in Portland, Oregon. This dude, Alex, is making some of my favorite designs. His uh, clothing is heavy in my rotation. If you need jackets, shirts, prints, Jungle Television has got you covered. And uh, if you use the code DCP at checkout, you can get 20% off of your next Jungle Television order. So I'll put all those links in the episode notes so you can keep up with Jungle Television. And I appreciate Alex and his support for the podcast and for creating some of the dopest t-shirts in my closet. Let's start the episode. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe, clicking write a review on iTunes, giving the podcast five stars, and that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels. Appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do so. Cannot stress the importance of those reviews enough to uh, just help with growing the show and uh, creating sustainability in it. And you can also find the podcast on Spotify now. If you're not already listening there, you can follow it there. And I've also started releasing some playlists more consistently. Definitely doing a monthly playlist that is coming out every first of the month. So you can check those out as well. I'll put the link in the episode notes for that. And uh, super fucking pumped for this episode of the podcast, man. This is a a special one for me. Um, A band that I've been trying to uh, connect with ever since I saw them at Pickathon in uh, the summer of 2019 and uh super stoked that on the podcast this week episode 238 young jesus is on the show they are a uh, los angeles based band and i had the pleasure of uh chatting it up with their front person john who uh started this young jesus journey like 12 years ago back in the the suburbs of Chicago. So, so rad to get to connect with John and just get to hear about the creative process and uh, the dynamics of, of the makeup of the band that has been around for these last three records, including the uh, new record, Welcome to Conceptual Beach, which is available now on all the streaming platforms as well as uh, some physical copies as well. I just got my vinyl copy of it earlier this week, so I'm super stoked about that. But uh, 
This is some special music to me. This is some music that has uh, moved me quite a bit. And uh, yeah, just something about this band. And ever since I saw them at Pickathon, they have just been so heavy in my rotation and have become one of my favorite bands. And um, I've just been kind of championing them hard. So this opportunity to get to hang with John was really cool and i'm excited to share the conversation with y'all if you're uh new to the podcast and uh part of the young jesus faithful i'm uh i'm stoked to have you listening and and hope you really enjoy this thing if you dig what you hear i'd encourage you to uh to go back and uh check out some of the other bands that i've had on recently just had some really awesome chats last week with uh nocila and just a couple weeks back, I had the return of Soft Kill on the podcast, which was an all-time favorite. So definitely check those out. The best of 2020 just came out. So that's a great way to kind of get acquainted with what goes on here. And uh, I also wanted to mention, I do this series called I Dig Records with my cousin Rob, which also comes out in this feed and uh, we usually each pick a record and uh, we we do the deep dive on them and play tracks from them and whatnot. But I bring that up because early on in that series, we've done about 11 of them now, but the first volume of it, the reboot episode, featured the Young Jesus record, the whole thing is just there along with the, uh, the Cockatoo Twins, Heaven or Las Vegas. So if uh, if you're a big Young Jesus fan, I would encourage you to also go uh, check out Volume 1 of I Dig Records and uh, listen to us uh, geek out about those records. But uh, all the links will be in the episode notes so you can keep up with that. John and I also briefly touch on spirituality just because some of the uh, religious imagery that is... Uh, seems to be a common thread of the the young Jesus lyrics and uh if you enjoy that sort of chat I would also encourage you to check out this other podcast that I do with my buddy Andrew Harrison it's called Bible Buds we uh we talk spirituality and and religion spiritual practices psychedelics things of that nature and it's done from this non-christian um non-dualistic point of view so uh, if you enjoy that sort of thing, we've been having people on from from all backgrounds, all religions, and it's been a lot of fun. So I'll put the uh, I'll put the Instagram tag in the episode notes for that as well. And I want to give a shout to Jamie from No Earbuds. I'll put that link in the episode notes as well. She was the one who was kind enough to uh, to link me up with John so that we could have this chat, and I'm super appreciative of that. Also, shout out to uh, the rest of the band, Marcel, Kern, and Eric, who are all incredible players. Definitely check out some of the live footage on YouTube of Young Jesus so you can see how heavy these dudes go in when they're playing music together. It's it's a very, very cool thing. And uh, just really appreciate the space that they create for these really raw expressions and uh, they're just so patient with building things. Um, also, I, I mispronounced uh, the, the unknowing track 
like twice in this conversation. It is not called unknown. It's called unknowing. So uh, my apologies for that. But we're going to get into it. Episode 238 coming at you. Young Jesus is on the show. And uh, we're going to kick it off with one of my favorite tracks off the Welcome to Conceptual Beach record. It's called Patterned Out. Let's do the damn thing. questions i'm ready awesome. cool well um yeah dude i'm i'm super stoked to talk to you i saw young jesus at pickathon last summer in 2019 and uh it was one of my most memorable moments of the festival that year and uh i saw your band play probably Fuck, it was probably 11 p.m. midnight on this uh, this moonlight stage and yeah. had 
no idea who you guys were and just kind of, you know, watching the setup go down and, and then the tunes kicked in, man. And it was just like one of these, uh, really like powerful, um, moving experiences. Like, I think it's a special thing when you get to see a band for the first time, like an unknown band, you see them live for the first time. You don't even know that what you're about to see. There's no preconceptions. There's no, um, fuck, I hope they play this song or anything like that, you know? So it was, it was just like a really amazing experience, like getting to kind of, uh, be introduced to your band that way. I'm so glad that's such a, that's such a good way to be introduced to us. Um, because that's, uh, we're as, um, spontaneous as that experience, you know, uh, so much of it is improvised and, um, it's about the collective energy and having people in the audience that are, um, sort of sharing that experience with us because for us it's new too. Um, and you can feel that when people are ready and receptive and open to those moments, which is why that show, um, was probably like a particularly special experience because it was a larger stage than we usually play. And so there were a lot of people who hadn't heard of us before and you can really, um, if you're up to the challenge, like catch people off guard and, and, and find them in a really open place to hear music, which is the best place to hear music from so yeah. often. Yeah. I, that was, that was the experience, man. That was, it was, you know, sitting on the grass, <laughs> it's late at night. And, um, I think that's just like one of the special things about that, that pickathon festival yeah. in general is like the curation for it is done in such a way where most of the people going don't necessarily know the bands that are playing, but they just kind of trust that curation mm-hmm. and everybody is there to like see new music and, and experience something they haven't seen before. Probably. Yeah. It's really, that was a special festival. So since then, after seeing you guys, mm-hmm. um, I immediately, dove deep into the young Jesus catalog of music and what was available. Um, yeah, man, I remember, I, th- I think the first album I put on was, uh, ST and mm-hmm. just, uh, hearing green for the first time and like, yeah, just tunes that, that really stuck with me. So I'm, I'm curious to just kind of understand the young Jesus evolution a little bit. So take me back, John, to like the beginning of this thing. How does it, form i know you're from chicago area Mm -hmm. right yeah i grew up in the north suburbs of chicago and uh i went to high school i was on the the b volleyball team and i met um my friend sean and sean was wearing a me first in the gimme gimme's shirt and we were (laughs) we were freshmen in high school and um i went up to him and i was like you know I love that band. And we were sort of the only kids that, um, were listening to that music there and we became fast friends and started playing music. And that eventually became our sort of like partnership became, um, young Jesus, probably about four years later, four or five. And 
my friend Cody joined and my friend Peter, both people from our high school and, and this guy, Joe, great bass player. And yeah, we were playing like, um, we were partying a lot and drinking a lot. And, um, we were playing music that probably like fit along with that. Um, what you would imagine a suburban kid that, you know, like started drinking a ton would play, (laughs) which is like pretty sad. Um, and, uh, sometimes like real, you know, very dynamic and emotional music because, uh, at least for me, there wasn't a lot of space to communicate my emotions. So music and drinking became a way to access that. And we all shared that and it was a beautiful thing. And like, obviously like a dark thing too. And, um, but I think we've all learned an awful lot from that. Um, and so over the years we played so many shows we did. I mean, so much, I can't really lay out cause it's just a great, yeah. it's been 12 years for me now. <laughs> right. Um, but we had a lot, made a lot of amazing memories and eventually I kind of petered out and I moved to Los Angeles on a whim and thought the band was over, started working at a bookstore, um, and finding my way here. And I became friends with, uh, this one barista at the coffee shop down the street from the bookstore, Kern. And someone was like, Oh, you should talk to Kern. Like you, you all would really get along. And, um, I was like, wow, Kern is so far out. I don't know if I really would get along with him. And then I realized I was really far out and I wasn't sort of self-aware of where I was. Um, <laughs> That's and, awesome. Yeah. Like, um, and that we're actually like very kindred spirits. And so we started jamming and showing each other music. He was showing me like Anthony Braxton and Bill Orcutt and, um, Sun Ra and, uh, and then our friend, my friend Eric, back from home, moved to L.A., and he joined. And Marcel is a bass player from Los Angeles uh, who was like, we all came up at this house called Emerald House. Marcel was there all the time and such an amazing person and great guitarist. And I asked him one day, like, had a tour booked. And I was like, uh, hey, going on tour in a month, do you want to play bass in my band? He was like, yeah. And so then he he became our bassist and that's how it's been for five years now and like learning so much together we have very different styles musically different ways of playing different backgrounds and that's been the real joy of it is there's so much tension there um in our playing and so like i said with pickathon like if you find people at a moment when they're open, when we find each other as a band in moments when we're open, it's really magical. It's really like this beautiful, strange thing that um, comes together. And that's, I think we've just like grown and grown through that. And in that, learned how to find each other in the more song-like moments as well. Yeah, learn to write together in a way that like is cohesive and can carry the moments that are so strange and like ebb and flow of tension and release and give yeah, some, man. give something to fall back for all of us, ourselves included. 
Absolutely. I think it's a... Uh... It's like one of the beautiful things about jazz and those elements that seep into your your music is that, you know, some of those more song-oriented parts, you know, these beautiful melodies and stuff maybe aren't quite as beautiful without the stuff that's a little more far out and there's not when you're not getting the relief from that. Yeah, if people can um stick with it, I think there is like real uh they're designed to be, yeah, a relief that I think maybe earlier on in ST and maybe some parts of the whole thing is just there. Um, And this also just like comes with age that you want to just put people in an intense experience and not, and including yourself, um, at least for me, um, with no relief. And I think, (laughs) cause you're like, that's intense. And like, you want in like, yes. And, (laughs) 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 and, as I've, uh, as I've grown older, I've realized that like, I need the relief just as much as an audience member would like, it's really important to have like some shelter within songs, um, especially for those uninitiated and to improv improvisational music or, um, because there was a time where I had no fucking idea what improvisational music was and I would hear it. And I would be an asshole about it and say, like, it wasn't music or, like, they're bad at their instruments. So, uh, to me, it's really important to have bands and music that helps bridge the gap for people. Um, and that's what we're hoping to do. Yeah. I, I mean, that's that's definitely uh, where it hits for me is that, like, I also kind of maybe came from this world where I didn't understand something like free jazz or some like super far out experimental shit and just like didn't understand the level of technicality or musicianship that went into something like that. And, and now I'm at this opposite side of it where like, I love that I seek it out. So when it is bridged together with these, these things, I'm like also love like hooky songwriting and, and just like, you know, maybe some, uh, some incredibly vulnerable lyrics to go along with all that is, uh, it's, it's a cool thing, man. Like yeah. I, I, uh, I think so my, my cousin and I have been doing this, uh, this subset of this podcast in this feed called I dig records. And, um, we actually did on one of the early episodes we did. The whole thing is just there was, was one of the records I brought to the table and, we we keep coming back to this thing with certain records that we talk about of like, you can only go to this band to get this thing. Like nowhere else can I get this. And that's how I feel about the young Jesus stuff. Yeah. I, I, I recognize and I'm proud of, uh, how specific we are and that also the, the vulnerability aspect, uh, is hand in hand with what's going on musically um, that, uh, it's, I, I'm hope I'm hoping at least lyrically to show that, um, we write things off because, or I have written things off because of vulnerability, because I've been afraid to be vulnerable. Um, and in my insecurity, it was easier and, and quicker to just, say something is stupid or whatever 
terrible thing I could think of as a, you know, however long and that it's really a long process. And to me, it's been the most important process of my life to become vulnerable and be able to greet, um, things that make me uncomfortable, new experiences, uh, with curiosity, um, rather than judgment. And I'm not at all close to achieving that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's an ever changing thing. It's, just, you know, you're constantly new things are coming at you and, and figuring out how to absorb all that is, is all part of the process. Yeah. I think that's also like a really fun thing to, you know, to find your band maybe last summer and know that there's this entire catalog to go through. It's this cool thing to like really see how the band has, you know, grown in your songwriting. Um, and I mean, but it seems like, you know, those elements even have always been there from the beginning, like the, the songwriting and that vulnerability that you're speaking about. Um, there's, there's just tons of these lines when I'm listening to your songs, like throughout all the records that, you know, just give me these moments of like, fuck, like just evoke a deep level of thought. And I think like just definitely ignite some, some self-reflection for sure. Yeah. And that's, I'm so happy to hear that because that's the goal is to like give, I think, um, and I think one thing that's changed is that our music has given a little bit more space for reflection in the music, um, which I love. I think in the earlier, the earliest records, it's like um, intense moment after intense moment, vulnerable thing after vulnerable thing. And um, I mean, that's what happens when you're realizing that you're in or you're trying, at least for me, I didn't even know I was just singing it but you're trying to realize that you're in pain, but no one's given you the language. Um, so you're kind of telling these stories and screaming these lyrics without having any awareness that it's you. Uh, at least I really didn't know. I was just singing it and then eventually realized like, wow, that's me singing those songs. That's me screaming those songs. And that's for a reason. And uh, then you kind of learn to give a little bit more space for yourself and for other people, or at least step by step, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it seems like, you know, that that definitely, you know, there, it's like grow and decompose. You do have like a lot of those like intense line, intense line, intense line, like just lots of like music, music, music. And I love that record. I think it's, me too. really great it seems like um i don't know if this is necessarily a true thing but it seems like that's where you seem to like really start to like dig in as a vocalist and get seems like you're getting more comfortable at that point of like delivering and just um and i loved so many of the the lyrics and particular tracks on that but like as as you go further through the catalog it seems like the quantity of words is maybe lessened but like the quality of them and the like the intent behind those lines and like on the whole thing is just there it seems like there's several of these mantras that kind of happen throughout each track you know like those those things that just like 
just pounded into you. So you, you remember those things and, and those kind of seem to continue to the, the new record. Welcome to conceptual beach as well. A little bit of that happening. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, those are things that I want myself to hear and, uh, that I really do believe that if you repeat, um, certain things to yourself, you can kind of change a little bit of who you are, uh, and re, um, wire some of your neural pathways, just like, Oh, like I want to be around and live it. I want to be around and live it. I want to be around and live it. Like, and to not be ashamed to be excited, um, or, or like goofy or, angry even in a productive way, like in a way that is responsible and like generative rather than like full of shame and confusion and like self torture, you know? Um, so learning, trying to learn to rewire some of those emotions, um, is very important lyrically to the band. Um, and yeah, gosh, I mean, it's funny to think back to to those albums like five to 10 years ago. And, um, it's so, I mean, we all get there where it's like, I can't believe that was me, but it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But it's kind of sweet now. Like I, I have a little bit more, um, I used to be like, fuck those records, you know? Um, yeah. And now I'm like, gosh, I was really trying to figure it out. It's okay. Yeah. It's, uh, it's hard to, uh, give yourself the space sometimes yes. and not be so hard on yourself. Yeah. But I, I recognize, um, that I think for a while I was sharing so much in songs and I thought that was like, um, maybe something to be, that's like, it's like weird that I do that or, um, and then I started like talking to my friends and, and my loved ones and realizing that that's actually like a skill of mine that I'm really willing, not just in songs now, but in conversation to just like go there, ask uncomfortable questions of others and myself and like be there for whatever answer. Um, and like often sharing things that are like very, very personal. Um, but that I found have stitched these beautiful relationships from that risk, um, from that vulnerability. Uh, so now I see it more as just like, before I was like, oh, wow, it's weird I do that when I sing. And now I think like, oh, that's part of who I am, uh, that I uh, will like meet someone for the first time and just kind of like, be totally trusting, which is gonna, whatever, you know, it's, it's who I am, but yeah. Um, and you're absolutely right. You know, like that vulnerability, a lot of the times I think taps into like the humility and it's easy for people to connect to that. Yeah. And, you know, when you give that and someone, you know, is accepting of it, it's a, a lot of times it's a game changer for that sort of like relationship dynamic, even it, if it is like a first time hang, right? Yes. Every, every tense moment or fight I've had with my fiance has always led to 
a deeper share and of something really vulnerable that's made us closer. Um, and I really believe in that having patience with that. There's a reason why you're feeling that tension. It's cause you're ready to share more and it's really scary for sure. And it's not always easy to, to see that. Oh, it's, the, like, it's impossible. <laughs> actually, it takes like, for me, it takes a long time. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's, it is wild though that you like, so when you're younger, you know, maybe even into young, innocent and hairy. Yeah. Has it still not even like kind of registered to you the importance of this expression and how important it is for you to express yourself like through these lyrics or are you just doing it? I'm doing it. Um, I'm l- totally lost, <laughs> you know, like I'm just like, I'm just, I'm just like, uh, I, I had so much to say and I didn't know who to say it to. And so I'm, it's just like coming out so, uh, so much volume and I still have that. I still write so much. I don't know, maybe one day that'll slow down, but, uh, it's just part of who I am or part of the last 15 years of my life. So yeah, it's just like coming out and I don't know why, um, I am definitely imitating, um, songwriters that I was admiring, especially then, you know, like you need to find your voice through other people. And so at that time it was like Tim Kasher and Connor Oberst and, um, this band Piebald and Spittlefield and, um, yeah, just like emo pop punk, um, alternative bands, uh, Eventually, The National was a huge one for me. I was like, wow, you can sing lower and still sing this. Like, keep in mind, like growing up in the suburbs, the music I had was uh, Five for Fighting, the Mission Impossible yeah. 2 soundtrack, um, Creed, and Dave Matthews Band. Yeah, dude. I, I grew up in the suburbs too, John. I, I, I feel <laughs> you, man. Like, you know, there was always a little bit of everything going on. But yeah, when you do grow up in the suburbs, it does seem like radio is it rules yeah and you're really uh blind to this entire part of the music sphere (laughs) yeah and i used to be embarrassed by that but then now i'm kind of like wow that's given me such an ability to be constantly blown away by hearing new music yeah like i used to people would i would start talking about music and then i worked i used to work at this bookstore for many years and you know like some coworkers who are, you know, extremely cool would be like, Oh, you haven't heard this and like this genre of music and blah, blah. blah. And I'd be so embarrassed that I didn't have like a knowledge of, um, whatever the fuck. And now I'm like, Oh, when that happens, you can just ask someone to recommend you the shit they like and probably have a really good time if you're, if you're in a space to like be open to it because they love it and they'll share it with you if you're nice about it. Um, so yeah, I, I think there, there's one part where like, yeah, no exposure to, um, far out music until I was like 17 or 18. Um, 
but that is also a positive um, because I carry that into adulthood, that like kind of wonder with tunes. Yeah. And it also obviously is a, a part of the makeup of your band even now. Yes. You know, like one of the reasons I connect to your band is because I love a bunch of that like emo pop punk. Like I like that as much as the jazz shit. Exactly. Now. So it's like both of those things are important. Yes, exactly. And like when you, so when you get like introduced to Kern and you start hanging out with him, mm -hmm. is that like the first uh, time you're getting kind of turned on to this like crazy free jazz, like the sun raw and like moving into some stuff that is just like not a part of your world? Yes. Um, Kern lent me this book called Forces in Motion, which is like a tour diary of Anthony Braxton written by this guy, Graham Locke. Um, and that book is how I was feeling emotionally about music. And I'd never read someone who was so excited to play for like not a lot of people and to have spiritual experiences playing music. And I felt a bit like playing in the, the sort of emo and pop punk and fo indie folk sort of scenes. I was probably blind to it, so I wasn't looking for it. But I also felt like I was having these really spiritual experiences playing music. Um, and I felt almost alone in it. Um, that like people weren't losing their shit on stage the way I was. Like, uh, I became a different person for better and for worse, like so intense on stage. And that still is true. Um, and yeah, with Kern, I finally met someone who was having like the same experience. He, I mean, you saw us play, like he, he completely loses himself in the music too. Um, and so like that was coming from Anthony Braxton and, and, and then, um, you just keep digging into that world, digging into people like Milford Graves who like takes drumming and then uses what he's learned from drumming to correct and change people's heartbeats. He's like analyzing people's heartbeats and finding through all this research related to rhythm, related to his studies of like um, acupuncture and uh, monitoring heartbeats and all this stuff that you can use rhythm to change people's heartbeats from like a uh, unhealthy quarter note sort of structure. One, two, three, four, one, two, three, four to one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three triplet, uh, which is, I guess, healthier. Um, and he feeds that into people rhythms through acupuncture. And so like to see that, um, when people say music can take you somewhere else, it can take you to space or it can take you to heaven or whatever, that that's not a lie that like, I used to be like, that's a bunch of bullshit. You know, like my like jam band friends from high school and I didn't like jam bands. I was super judgmental of them. I'd be like, fuck that. Y'all are just like taking a bunch of drugs and acting like this is a spiritual experience. <laughs> Um, and yeah. <laughs> so spot on, so good, but it is, and I don't 
knock them for doing that anymore because we had no access to the spiritual as a bunch of white men raised in the suburbs. You know, like we had nothing there um, to give us any sense of emotion, vulnerability, or dependency on something greater than us. We were meant to believe that we would achieve everything and you could achieve whatever you wanted. And you should take that fucking job that, and not think about it and try to make a bunch of money. Um, And that's the opposite of a spiritual experience of life, um, a communal experience of life. So when I, Kern sort of turned me on to those things, uh, it was really a great, awakening and I was ready to receive it luckily through having like this community of friends and, and my family also like growing and being more open. And, um, so yeah, it was a life changer. Um, and yeah, I, I, I carry it with me all the time. Yeah. I can't imagine like what that must've been like for you to like finally start to experience maybe some of these, you know, these transcendent or really spiritual experiences that you're having on stage, maybe by yourself. And then to to get to extend that to a group and everybody's tapped into the same thing because yeah, I think you, you know, watching the band and even checking out just like live footage that's available maybe on YouTube, like everybody goes in, Yeah, you know, like all you guys are just all very in it and like, lost in it it seems like and i i believe you know like uh people will say like oh you know you have uh, i wish i could sing or what blah blah blah. and i i i realize like you can i mean maybe you can't you're not comfortable with your voice or you you have trouble with tone or whatever but in us, what I access in singing and playing guitar with a group of people, it's kind of like there's a there's a there's a river, there's a stream that runs alongside us, or within us even, and you can have access to that, but there is so much garbage and like brambles and rocks that have to be cleared out for that stream to run through you. Um, music is my way of getting there faster. And with a group, it, it's really special. Um, now what I would love to do and what I'm trying to do is be more open to that in day-to-day life. Um, because it's there, it's there for everyone. I mean, like you can bake a perfect, you can be in the zone, um, and you're just doing it and it's amazing. Um, or you can be on a walk and it's just the world is opening up as a new world just for that five minutes. And that's all you need. Five minutes. It's not like when we play a show, we're in it every single second. Um, yeah, but you do it for that five, those two minutes, that five minutes, that 10 minute section. Cause it changes your life for sure. And yeah, you can you can tap into it in a lot of different ways. It's not there's not one access point. Yeah. But I learned it from music, which was and from Kern and Eric and Marcel cuz they're such open people and they're able to dive in. So I just kind of followed their lead and was like, "Whoa." 
and I will, they're such amazing musicians. And I, like I said before, I'm down to just like jump into something and be vulnerable. So it was kind of the perfect mix. You know, I didn't feel like I was a good musician, but I was like, okay, I'll, I'll try. And then there we were and took a ton of time, but we, we found something from it and something really special. So is ST the beginning of, of that makeup of the band then? Yes. I think you can hear, I think you can hear the progression that like, there's a major shift from Grow Decompose to ST. And then from ST to Welcome to Conceptual Beach, it's like honing in on uh, a space of creation, a kind of similar zone. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely when you start creating space for the songs and yeah, just leaning more into some of those jams, getting maybe more comfortable with just saying like, hey, fuck it, we're going to do a 12-minute song <laughs> on this record. A 20-minute song. <laughs> yeah, 20 on the, on the whole thing is just there. Yeah. The gulf goes deep. It goes deep. <laughs> it goes deep. But like, yeah, like Storm, I mean, Storm is a 12-minute jam, and that's one of my favorite oh, gosh, tracks in the, in, the, in the catalog, man. That's what I think... Um lyrically for taking a snapshot of where I was. Uh, I don't know if I've ever, um, I'm really, I guess I'm really proud of that one. It really hit the turmoil and, um, confusion, desperation and hope that I was feeling. Yeah, man. I think to that part, the 10 years later at the holiday Inn breakfast, I started crying and man, I was surprised. (laughs) I really was. I really, sitting there with my parents, I really was surprised. And then you got that, uh, there's the reference to to Eloise on that one too. Is mm-hmm. that a reference to the, the Eloise in the plaza? Yeah, I wanted to subject. bridge. Yeah, I wanted to bridge the gap. Um, and so cool that you noticed that because there's, um, that was such a huge part of the old band was these continuing storylines. And gosh, if um, talk to some of these kids in the Chicago suburbs that came to our shows, it it was it was important to us, like these stories, David and Eloise, and um, so yeah, it was like time to move on and pay respect to it as well. Yeah, those references to to people is uh, is something I I really dig about like some of the the catalog 
just yeah. I don't know it kind of sort of like when I'm listening to the David track I'm like who's the David in my life right we all have you know? one and we're all at least for me like composed of bits and pieces of all these characters um and it was really helpful I didn't realize till years later that like in certain like psychoanalytical practices you separate yourself into different characters to help like work through shit and so looking back on it i'm like oh that's actually kind of effective for me you know i mean it wasn't at the time i was still so insane so so just oh poor john but (laughs) but now i feel a bit better you know and i think it's through some of that so like was the process up until like ST just kind of that you would bring the bones of songs and then you would flesh it out with the band? Yeah, I mean um, we would jam we would jam a lot um because that's where we were like having the most fun. It was pretty clear early on that we were um doing something weird. Um and Kern is like there's no drummer like Kern in the world. Uh he is such an interesting mix of influences, you know, um, growing up for him, like listening to at the drive-in and, um, bands like that. And then going so far out, um, and teaching himself. So it was shock, you know, it was shocking to me that like he messes with tempo and with time, not in an intentional way, just in an emotional way. So he's not saying like, we should go to five here or this should slow down. It's like, he's just feeling it and it moves, uh, which was so uh, far out to me and special. So uh, yeah, we were jamming. I would bring the bones of a tune and um, I was, I mean, I'm, trying to work on this, but like still really had an idea of what the band should sound like and really stubborn about it. Um, so, uh, yeah, there are moments where it's like square peg round hole. And, um, I know we took risks that didn't fully succeed. Um, but I think that's what we all hope for that at least some music in our life is doing that. Um, because how else do we learn? And yeah, so over time, yeah, it was just like, I, I always have like ideas, 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 parts and parts and parts and parts and um, bringing it to the crew to stitch together Eric with his synth and keys, like finding a, a through line, like a, a kind of like ambient bed often that guides a song. Um Marcel is very, very musical. So he's a bass player that has a very melodic ear and an ability to take Kern's rhythms and tell us what it is. Be like, oh, that's seven. Where I'm like, what? And he'll be like, uh, he'll like say whatever, like some phrase, like you get pizza. and There are phrases you can say that help you count out different rhythms. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And so... Yeah, he would help us with that and like make it interesting and be like, oh, you can layer this over that. And then that way, the harmonics over the bass interchanging with the guitar will change like in a song like Faith. Like that's 
all Marcel sort of like pulling that in a really interesting direction. So yeah, it's just, and learning to trust them and their ability and intention took me a long time. Um, and I think it's why ST is like a, uh, an aggressive record sometimes, uh, and sometimes a little jumbled because we're still like butting heads a little bit. Um, yeah. Even though we were having a great time, like we were never fighting somehow. Um, but yeah, like musically we're, we're sorting it out, figuring it out. Yeah. Um, and yeah, man, it's hard to get out of your, like figuring out how to get out, out of your own way, especially when you have this vision for this, tune that maybe you conceptualized and and see it going this different direction even if there's a better idea it's hard to see that sometimes 100 percent um so was it kind of touring st is that where the band really like informs like the process for like maybe a little bit more collaboration within the whole thing is just there Yeah, I mean, we got into it. Like, we were not signed to a label at that time. We recorded ST and the whole thing is just there before Saddle Creek signed us. Oh, wow. So, and we had been booking our tours ourselves, and we had really been like, um, to me, it was what I always wanted to do. I, I didn't realize, honestly, that there was like a nationwide, I mean, there's an international DIY community. Um, and that was really eye opening and amazing and stressful. Um, but so through that, we practiced, you know, twice a week and went on tour all the time. And we got really, really tight, both as friends and as musicians. Um, so yeah, you just keep growing and you, you, um, become comfortable with each other and, uh, then we got signed. We had these two records ready, already done. Um, Cause we were like, you we were kind of riding a high of when you meet like-minded people. Um, it's like a relationship. It's like a, rom- a romance basically where you're like in the honeymoon. And so yeah. we couldn't stop writing. Um, if the fire's there, why not? You yeah. Know? You just go. And Welcome to Conceptual Beach was the first record we recorded where like the honeymoon was over for sure um, because we had been touring for four or five years um, and that amount of time and that amount of practice and how demanding I can be as a person wears on everyone, myself included. So that was a record of like, I, there's a reason why I think it sounds a little bit more um, like mature or whatever you want to, just like, uh, uh, I don't even know how to say how it sounds. Yeah. But, I Yeah. I don't know if mature, I was going to say mature and now, now I'm kind of doubting if that's like the right word for, for it, but I don't know. It kind of just feels to me like, you know, like you were saying, you know, it's just taking time for you all to like build trust amongst one yeah. another and like really trust what you're doing. And it kind of feels like that to me with, with yeah. welcome to conceptual beach. It's like, Oh, it feels like you're really sure of yourselves with what you're, you're doing here. Well, this is what, this is why the honeymoon was over 
everyone had the confidence to stand up for themselves and their ideas. <laughs> so it wasn't just like me being like, we have to do it this way. Like we have to record this record in a week and mix it so that this is blah, blah, blah. It was like everyone knew what we were as a band and whether or not I was ready to receive that, everyone knew how they wanted their instrument to sound and they knew how it should blend. And it took me a hell of a lot of time to come around to that. And it was really hard, but I'm so thankful now that they did that because it made it an amazing record. Yeah. So, yeah. I really dig, um, it seems like, I don't know, There, were, there's a glimpse of it even on ST, but I think like the whole thing is just there. You, you really start kind of like leaning into those moments where you almost let a song completely fall apart like in the middle of it. If not, you do, you know, and, and it just kind of, there's maybe some little drum hits, you know, keeping this thing alive. It kind of just feels like everybody's just in the room jamming it out. But I don't know, man, those moments are, are pretty powerful. I think the, the, those moments where you let everything fall apart and then you, you start breathing life into it and give it that life again is, yeah. uh, there, those are definitely moments I look forward to on the record. Because it, it always just seems to like blast it in this either like sometimes you're you're bringing it back to this familiar place, but a lot of times you're also taking it to this completely new section of the tune. Yeah, there's those are the most special moments live, for sure, um, and that to me gets at the idea that like in a live setting, people want silence if you can hold the, 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 the difficult thing is holding silence responsibly and thoughtfully and intentionally. Cause if you don't, everyone will start talking and not give a shit. But if you are invested in it with your whole being as a performer or on the other end, there are nights where I haven't been invested in it and the audience is, and you're like, Oh, holy shit. I can, I can be in this now because these people are here for it. Um, so I, I get um, like the difference between audience and performer is a small difference. We're all sharing an experience together and it's on all of us to create it together. Um, and, you know, I think there's maybe too much emphasis on the lead singer creating it for everyone. Um but uh, I like how our band it feels like a conversation with the audience. Yeah. And I think I, I'm, maybe it's just because I got, like I have the reference point for seeing your band live. Mm-hmm. So I know what it's like in that, in that sense. But I also feel like I feel that through the records, you know, especially yeah. obviously these last three, three when this is the makeup of the band. But yeah, it's just like this equal importance on lyrics and music and every player in the band. Yeah, it's really, that's what it's all about. And again, with silence, like um, I've noticed in this book group that I've been helping to facilitate for the past however many years, it's a, it's a current events reading group. And I've made a lot of great friends out of it. The best... And also with my friends, um, in general, the best moments in conversation have happened 
when as a group you can hold a silence, an awkward silence, and just let it continue to be because then the person that never speaks will speak and they have something amazing to say usually, but they're just scared. And that's music that if you can do that. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's, that's beautiful for sure. Those are the, those are the magic moments. Like I think about, uh, Nana, yeah. that last three minutes of that song mm. where it falls apart and becomes this beautiful thing for the, that last few minutes. Yeah, that's, that is, um, there's something in that song. I don't know what it is, but it's there. With Welcome to Conceptual Beach, this is another record that you you guys self-produced. Mm-hmm. Is that just the way this band operates and just not feeling the need to bring anybody else into the mix at this point? Well, I kind of realized that um, the 
person who mixed it, Brian Rosemeyer, did a lot of stuff. Like, uh, we were there with him and, um, I guess because we've never had a norm, like a, I don't even know what a normal experience is making a record is, but, um, he helped us like experiment and mess with the songs and like put like reverse on this and pitch shift that and like make that really heavy. And, um, so he did like a fair amount of producing in mixing, um, in collaboration with us. Um, but we definitely have a very clear idea of what we want. Um, and we're, we are, there are already so many personalities in the band and, uh, that we just never, I mean, we're also like, we do things super economically. So I've always thought like you record an album, it can never take more than a week and then you mix it and you try to spend a relatively short amount of time mixing it. This one was a long time. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I've just never thought to work with a producer because we have so many ideas. Yeah. And the songs are already done. For sure. And yeah, I think you definitely got the uh the payoff with the the mix on this one. This is definitely my favorite sounding record of your band. It sounds really good. Yeah. It's fucking killer, man. I like I know exactly where I was when I like where I was driving when I put this record on for the first time mm. hearing hearing uh pattern doubt was yeah I've probably listened to that song maybe more than anything since you're since that record's come out and yeah just hearing the sax and the keys early on was like oh young jesus is bringing something different this time you know and, and even hearing maybe like the vocal pitch shift in faith to kick yeah. off the record you know it was like oh this is this is something like a little different you know yeah. there's a lot of those characteristics like throughout the record that are really fucking cool man thank you yeah shout out to brian Tooley for playing sax on the record because and flute he's a very oh yeah very um, special uh player and yeah very spiritual man and uh marcel he's a good friend of marcel's they were in a ska band in high school together and um i'm just glad it all came together it was a real full circle moment yeah is that like one of the first times this iteration of the band had like opened it up to another player coming in to play on a record yeah we had we had brian come in um the the former drummer of young Jesus did some alternate percussion on it. My friend, Peter Martin, yeah. um, who makes music as PD now. Um, and we had a couple friends, Ange Wilson and Pauline Lai come in. Um, and they recorded some synth and flute and violin. And, um, I don't think it made it on the record, but we are going to release one of those tunes that they worked on with us soon. So that'll be fun. And trying to think if I'm forgetting anyone, I'm sure I am, but yeah, we, we, we wanted actively to collaborate with, um, people's friends and like parts of our, uh, music community here in LA. Root and crown. You think that's one of the, maybe one of the most vulnerable tracks in the, in the young Jesus catalog? I think 
Let me think about it for a second. I mean, I think I think most of your music is vulnerable as fuck, but I I just felt like there was a a raw quality to to root and crown. There really is. I mean, let me just. I want to think about it for a second. I want to look at what is on the record real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like it just opens up too with that monster vocal. Yeah, that one's very. I think that. Um, I. I that is that is up there. Yeah, I, yeah, Root and Crown is, I think that uh, for Nana is one of the more vulnerable Milo I usually think of with Crow Decompose. Yeah. And, um, those, and then the End of Storm. Uh, those, are, those are the most soul-bearing. Faith, I felt the middle section is pretty, pretty much there too. Uh, that one, that yelling sort of ballady Jeff Buckley type yeah. space. That's really, really going there too. Uh, Root and Crown, one of my favorite sections of lyrics throughout all your writing is, uh, I'm not a living crisis, but I'm learning how to breathe, how to feel and tell my friends and family what I need. I know the music of the winter time, but to the spring I give my love and life. Yeah, that I especially love. I know the music of the winter time and to the spring I give my love and life. That is that's a mantra for me for sure. Lots of religious imagery throughout the the tunes. I was curious where uh, where that comes from. Well, I was raised Christian. Um, yes, perhaps as a parent on Grow Decompose um, in an angry way. <laughs> and um, over the years, I've I've been through all sorts of stuff, thinking about Buddhism or uh, Taoism and meditation and, um, 
I grew up with a lot of Judaism in my life. All my friends growing up were Jewish. And uh, so that imagery is very much a part of who I am. Um, and Christian imagery is really a part. Uh, and I've tried to resist it for a really long time. And now I feel a bit more complicated about it, uh, where I'm kind of like, maybe these symbols are really helpful for me. Um, I don't believe in it in a dogmatic way, uh, but I enjoy a lot of the stories the Bible has as a space to reflect. And not even as like having any kind of meaning, just as like a thing that you read to reflect on, um, not to understand. So yeah, sometimes there are days where I'm like, yep, I'm definitely like a, you know, kind of like mystical Christian, you know, that's where I'm at now. Um, I love like Meister Eckhart and Simone Weil and, um, Desert Fathers and, uh, Pelagius and thinkers that are like uh, the Gnostic gospels, like not necessarily mainstream Christianity, but like edging on very meditation-based, contemplation-based Christianity. I really relate to a lot. Um, yeah. The non-dualistic attitude towards religion is, uh, it seems like there's a lot of magic in that. And definitely, uh, yeah, there. I, I think that there's, tons of mysticism within all of it, you know, and it definitely gets overlooked by a lot of the, the bullshit that is packed into it and just like kind of commercialized religion and, you know, tying it all to, to dollars. Prosperity gospel. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I, I think we're all trying to get to a similar, similar place. And it's just finding the like uh, images and figures that help you access it. Um, and for me, it's a little bit easier through the images of Christianity because I'm so familiar with them. Um, so you're trying to get to this full feeling, um, this feeling that you're not alone and that no matter what happens, you will be held by something. I don't know what it is, but I had what I would call like a religious experience in a, in one of the most des- desperate times of my life, feeling held and safe. Um, and so I think we're, we're all of us need or, or could use that. Um, it doesn't matter what religion it is. It's just that feeling of um, that there's like kind of a web between all of us and everything and it will hold us. And that is beautiful. Well, I definitely think that, uh, that, it, that exists and comes through in your music, man. Like that is the experience I get out of listening and seeing your band is a very spiritual thing. So I think having that, that imagery in there is, is a powerful thing. And especially like also somebody that grew up going to church and then realizing a bunch of stuff later in life, you know, and just seeing how everything shakes out and, um, just having conversations with people about, um, you know, they're, they're kind of their foundations being pulled out from under them and having to reconstruct them and, and relearn unpacking everything. And, um, 
I think that's kind of some of those deep levels of thought that I get, um, spun into listening to your, your tunes. Yeah. My, I always, um, my temptation is always to, like I said, go the judgmental route. Um, but I think it's for me on whatever journey I'm on that like, I need to grapple with Christianity and have like a continued conversation. Um, because it would be easy for me to just leave and say, I don't believe that. I don't want anything to do with that when it's much harder. And I just think for some reason that that's for me to continue to think about and to be in that complicated, uh, community. Yeah, for sure. And I think like those using those, those symbols or those, those characters as something to reference to in your tunes is like something a lot of people can connect to whether they have, you know, come from that, that faith or not, you know, they understand who those people are and and what they represent. It's, it's a, it's threads that run deep, deep, uh, especially in this country (laughs) (laughs) in, in, in ways, both very negative and some positive for sure, man. I was curious how you're like, what was it like for you guys to release a record this year and then not be able to go out and and tour on it and kind of have to sit with it and what that, that time has been like? Well, it was a really good time to reflect, um, on where we were at as a band. And, uh, I think it was, it's been a good time to reprioritize and think about why we play music and uh, how and uh but at the same time, you know, I really wish we could have shared this album live. Um and you know, it was not in the cards and I'm honestly okay with that. It wasn't the destiny of this record and Uh, We worked so hard learning to play these songs. Like it's almost now to me unbelievable that we ever played these songs in their entirety together uh, straight through. Um, But we did. And, but for us, you know, it's, this was a good opportunity to just be like, that was a beautiful thing and a long process. And here's an opportunity to move on to another space and keep experimenting and, um, have a clear idea of where the future is for us, how to be malleable. It's really important to just like, I mean, that's what I've taken from all this is how to, um, let go of plans and build, uh, change, uh, to borrow from Octavia Butler's book, Parable of the Sower, like God is change, you know? And, um, embrace that rather than resist yeah and just like we were talking about before we hit record on this thing it's just like it's definitely you know put something in in into perspective and the time that you are spending with people right now is it's different yeah very intentional very intense too often (laughs) (laughs) what do you uh what do you think that is you you spoke earlier about, you know, when you, when you're performing on stage, you often kind of, you know, maybe embody or become 
a different version of yourself? Like, what do you, what do you think that is or what it's tapping into? Well, I think I'm closing the gap a little bit, um, between performance, John and day to day, John. Um, and what I think that is, is kind of a bit of what I spoke to earlier, which was that music was my outlet for my emotions. Um, specifically for anger and sadness. Um, so for someone that never expressed anger or sadness, you look really wild when you do. Um, and I mean, I was expressing it internally in a very like self-destructive way, but, um, so now I feel a bit more comfortable on stage and that, when I'm losing it, it's more of a um, falling into that stream idea, like being in the flow of things um, rather than this is so intense and I finally get a release. Yeah. Is it easy for you to move into that space as soon as you take the stage or is it different every time? It happens pretty much every time we play. Um, that I can get there. Um, it has to be a really, really horrible show. <laughs> um, uh, and, but yeah, for some reason your adrenaline kicks in and, 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 you know, there could be two people there, there could be 200 and it's the same feeling and it's the same. That's something I'm very proud of in myself is that I, um, can do nothing but bring the same urgency to those situations. Um, so yeah, there it's all, um, very important to me and I feel a deep responsibility to the two people there or to the 200 people there, um, that I hope we can share an experience together. Absolutely, man. Well, fuck. I, uh, Obviously, I appreciate the tunes very much. Like I'm, I'm, uh, I'm selfishly glad that uh, the four of you guys found each other. You know, yeah, me too. Four or five years ago, because um, yeah, these these last three records are are really great, and just yeah, your band has been in just such heavy rotation um, for me since seeing you at Pickathon mm. and kind of you know the other records were already out at that time so welcome to conceptual beach was kind of my first time of having some anticipation around a young jesus record it's awesome and uh it was it was just kind of it was cool because i knew i wasn't going to get you know the same record as the previous one so i was just kind of along for the ride cool you know and and uh just really dug like some of the the moments and Maybe even some of the risks that you take on the record, you know, like a, a song like Lark, where there's those moments where you guys are all just like laughing and sounds like, you know, just having <laughs> a good time. Yeah. And then uh, and then you come in with that that narrative type vocal and it feels like you're in a movie scene and it kind of interweave, like, you know, weaves back in, and forth into like some of those moments where everybody's just kind of hanging out laughing. Dumb 
Yeah, man. Like, uh, I just appreciate your time. This, uh, this was a, a special one for me to have the opportunity to talk to you just cause I do have, uh, I feel like a deep connection to the, to the music and it's definitely like moved me in, um, really positive ways. That's so good to hear. I appreciate your time, Dan. I, I, uh, I will say that with, with this record, hearing how much it's positively affected people has been amazing. I'm really, I'm really proud of that to create, uh, something that is, uh, optimistic and gives people some room. I keep hearing that and it's just really good to hear from you. So thank you. Hell yeah, dude. Um, what's the, what's it been like being a part of the, the Saddle Creek fam? What's that relationship been like? They're great. I love that crew. I mean, they're so, they're just like really kind. Um, and they're really in it. Like they, they're patient and they're willing to change and learn and grow and take criticism and they're really uh, respectful of the artist. So yeah, I work most specifically with Rob and Amber and they've been nothing but wonderful to me and everyone there is like laid back and very interested in music and more importantly, interested in growing as people. I would, I would assume maybe that was a, also like a big deal in some ways, having that, that love for Connor yeah, like was, in your younger days and like to be on that label now. It felt like being in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I was in a movie. <laughs> yeah. Very special. Your bands, uh, your band specifically kind of turned me on. Like I had heard the Saddle Creek name prior and, realized that I was familiar with quite a few people on their roster, but it's definitely like something I, I key into now and I'm just like, Oh, let's check out all of these Saddle Creek bands because they, uh, they're, they're, they're repping young Jesus. So I'm in. Yeah. And they, that's amazing. And they also like put out really, you know, the past few years they've been putting out some really cool shit. So I'm proud to be on that label and to share it with, um, you know, like hand habits and Tom Berlin and that, uh, document series, McKinley Dixon and, um, a lot of, uh, great bands, Adelaide and yeah, really cool stuff. Right on, man. Well, thank you, John. Yeah. I appreciate you, man. Um, I'm going to play the episode out with, uh, with unknown. Great. Definitely one of my favorite tracks off. Welcome to conceptual beach. And I'll put all the links in the episode notes so people can uh, keep up with Young Jesus if they are not already uh, hip to your band. And uh, again, pre- just appreciate your time and appreciate the tunes and you just uh, talking to me about the evolution of the band and you know your uh, your evolution as like a songwriter and a person. I appreciate you, Dan. Thank you for for thinking to do this. Absolutely. Uh, this is one I've been wanting to do for a long time, so I figured I'd get it out of the way quickly in 2021. I'm just going for it. Good way to start. <laughs> um, we end every episode of the podcast with the guest saying the the goofy tagline for the show, which is, it's a program. It's- <laughs> so if we can get the uh, young Jesus, it's a program. We can properly uh, end this thing.
It's a program. He nailed it, everybody. That's John from Young Jesus. <laughs> Check out the tunes. We're playing it out with Unknown. That's the Jelly Jams, and we'll catch you on the flip side, Portland. Cool, man. Cool. Thank you, Dan.